This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Gretch, I know from my own experience that baby making is not always simple. There is a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And when you want to conceive, there can be a lack of understanding and resources. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from reproductive health to uh, ovulation tracking to conception aid. Frida is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. Frida products are innovative, easy to use, and accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, at Target, and select CVS stores near you. That's Frida Fertility, F-R-I-D-A, Frida Fertility. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier. This week we'll talk about observing the birthday of a spiritual teacher, the arrival fallacy, and kitchen counter space. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, human nature, and the five senses. I am here in my little home office in New York City, and joining me today from Los Angeles is my sister Elizabeth Kraft, my sister the sage. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and Gretchen, I'm going to see you very soon in Kansas City. I'm very excited. I cannot wait. Oh, and I have a little gifty for you, so oh, yeah, yay. okay. So before we launch in, in the ongoing series of what to do when someone interrupts you, which turns out people have all of these very ingenious strategies, we heard from a listener. Yes, this comes from Betsy. She says, I also feel as if I get interrupted a lot and have two things to share. First, I read Deborah Tannen's book, You Are Always Mom's Favorite, years ago, and it helped me reframe the issue. Tannen explains that some people think a very short pause means that someone else has stopped talking and it is fair game to jump in, while other people think a longer pause is needed. According to Tannen, some of these differences are cultural, but others are personal preferences. I am someone who needs a long pause before I jump in, which means I also feel like I should be able to take a longer pause while I am talking and not lose my role as speaker. However, when I am speaking to a short pause person, our styles mismatch and I feel interrupted while the short pause person thinks we are having a good back and forth. Although this knowledge about pause preferences does not stop me from getting interrupted, it has helped me reframe the issue and I don't think that all interrupting people are so rude as I once did. Second, although I am not sure I would recommend either in a personal situation, I do have two techniques I use from time to time professionally. 
I'm a female attorney with a younger sounding voice, and from time to time, I run into male opposing counsel who interrupt me repeatedly. My first technique is just to filibuster. I just refuse (laughs) to stop talking until they stop talking, even if I know I am talking in circles. My second technique is, after they have interrupted me enough times that I am frustrated, I wait until they have stopped talking and I continue to not speak for a few seconds. Inevitably, they ask, did I lose you? And I respond with something along the lines of, oh, no, you just keep interrupting me, so I am now waiting for your permission to speak. Is it my turn yet? Do you need to keep talking? My goal is to be both snarky and solicitous. Inevitably, the opposing counsel agrees it is my turn, and then within 15 seconds after I begin to talk, he interrupts me again. I then interrupt him back and say, Bob, I thought you agreed it was my turn to talk now. A few rounds of this back and forth, and he eventually gets it. Oh, my goodness. This is funny. Well, yeah, I will put a link to Barbara So, yeah, Kant's it was... Book. Uh, I, oh. I, had, I had a great time. Gotcha. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry. Sorry. Well played. <laughs> but it's great to reframe and great to have a strategy. Yeah, Gretchen, I think you and I, safe to say, are both short pause yes. people. Yeah, we are. And I think in our minds, it's a sign of like jumping in, jumping in. I have lots to say. Yeah. But it's it's important to realize that people have a different perspective on it. And so it's just understanding how people's styles don't match. So that's very helpful. Yes. Yes. So this week, this try this at home is to observe the birthday or another associated day of your spiritual teacher. Now, we've talked about the calendar of catalysts and finding our own ways to use the calendar to remind us of our values, our aspirations, because a lot of times it's easy to forget that something's important to us. And so having a reminder, whether it's New Year's Day or your birthday or an anniversary or Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or halfway day can be really helpful. And we talked about the calendar of catalysts in 364, episode 364. And so this is, this is a way to focus on our values, to think about the deepest values in our life by using it to tie it to somebody who's a great spiritual teacher. For us. Yes. So the first step, obviously, Gretchen, is to identify your spiritual teacher. Yeah. So who is that person? It could be a figure in history. It could be a person in your own life. You know, who captures your imagination? Who embodies the values that you want to emulate and put out yourself? The next step is to try to learn about them by reading their biographies, studying their writings, or watching movies or TV shows about them. And then, Gretchen, comes the imitation stage. Yes. So you've identified your spiritual teacher, you've learned the teachings of your spiritual teacher, and now you, ha- you want to put yourself into work, into life. And so picking a day where you think, okay, well, how would I translate those teachings into my own life is helpful because it is a real happiness booster to feel like we're putting our values into the world. Feeling right is one of the four elements of a happy life, feeling good, feeling bad, feeling right in an atmosphere of growth. And so this is a way to find a particular day to reflect. Of course, you could do it at any time, but as we often talk about, something that can be done at any time is often done in no time. So this is a way to find a date. Yes. Now, Gretchen, I have talked about this before on the podcast. My spiritual teacher is Barbara Walters. Her birthday is September 25th, so coming right yeah, up. Yeah, so that's, um, what put it in, that's what put it in our mind because we were like, oh, your spiritual teacher birthday coming up. 
Yes. She'll be turning 93. Wow. For anyone who doesn't know, Barbara Walters was the first female evening anchor of the news. She created The View, which absolutely changed daytime television, um, and it blew my mind when it debuted. I was obsessed with it. I remember that so well. And, you know, when I think about, okay, what is it in Barbara Walters that I want to emulate? What is it that captures, you know, my imagination so much when I think about Barbara Walters? And, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, one, she made her living and her whole life was really dedicated to talking. Yeah. And I feel like so much of my life and my career is about talking, Mm -hmm. not just on podcasts, but also, you know, as a TV writer, the majority of what we're doing is talking. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, I write, but I spend way more time talking about what to write. Mm -hmm. And I love to talk, as you know. And so I really sort of emulate the ability to speak, to talk well, Mm -hmm. not just grammatically, but in terms of content. Right. And then, you know, Barbara Walters Gretchen was such a reinventor. She was one of the first people that really stepped out and reinvented herself. Yes. She was on the news and then she did her specials. Yes. She was given these sort of specials, kind of a consolation prize for losing the evening news because America was not ready for a female anchor at that point. And she turned them into something completely iconic. I mean, the Oscar specials made yes. the Oscars yeah. for many, many years, decades. And then when she could have retired, instead she created The View, which was, as I said, this huge game changer. Right. And she participated in it and she created it and and she was part of it. Absolutely. So I just really admire Bar. I mean, it's kind of, uh, she's a fun figure, you know, Saturday Night Live would make fun of her way of speaking because she had sort of a list. Yeah. She was just kind of a comical figure, but also the sort of towering figure in women's journalism. So, Don't I remember some story about how her daughter played the clip and, and her mother kind of laughed? She had kind of a sense of humor about yes. the whole Gilda oh, Radner yes. of it all. Yeah. Very much a sense of humor. Yes. Barbara Wawa. Yeah. Very Baba big Wawa. sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. But, and also, but listen, I can see why she's perfect for you because it's all about how do you use a storytelling voice in new ways? And yes. you go from show to show, you go from medium to medium. There's books, there's podcasts, you love audiobooks. You see how there's a fit there. Yes. Yes. It's a really, really good fit. So, September 25th. Yes. I will observe Barbara Walter is my spiritual teacher on September 25th. Yes. Okay, Gretch, who is your spiritual teacher? I th- you've talked about this before yeah, yeah. many so, times. So mine is St. Therese of Lisieux. And I have a little bit of a choice with St. Therese because um, she was actually born on January 2nd. Um, but because she's a Catholic saint, she also has a feast day associated with her, and her feast day is October 1st. And I have to say, I so appreciate all the listeners and readers who on October 1st will like send me good wishes or like a lot of times there's sort of, you know, St. Therese quotations and things on the internet. And so that's a good reminder to me too, is that there's, it's sort of surfaced at that time. And for people who don't know about St. Therese, St. Therese was born in France in 1873. She had five sisters and all became nuns and she became a saint. Um, And she entered a Carmelite convent at 15. And then she died of tuberculosis when she was just 24 years old. And the reason I really learned about St. Therese is she wrote this book, Story of a Soul, which I've read like 15 times. I've just read multiple biographies of St. Therese. She was the youngest person to be designated as a doctor of the church. So she's kind of like a super saint. 
But from the minute I read Story of a Soul, I was like, okay, this is the spiritual teacher for me. And what is it about her? What is the quality? Well, there, there's a bunch of things. I mean, one of the things is St. Therese is known for her little way, which means can you do great things as part of your ordinary day? Not extraordinary mm. things, not huge adventures, but just sort of living an ordinary life, which for her was being in a, you know, in a convent. And so it's like, can you elevate the ordinary experience through sort of the quality of the way you, you conduct yourself? And also the thing that also appeals to me for a saint and a doctor of the church, she has a really good sense of humor. Mm. And she writes about how she like broke out into a sweat trying to conquer her irritation because one of her fellow nuns was making this really annoying clicking sound during evening prayers. <laughs> and she writes about how um, when she was very sick with tuberculosis and weak, she was sitting in a chair trying to write her spiritual memoir, which turned into Story of a Soul. And all, all of her fellow nuns would stop and chat with her, thinking that they were lifting her spirits and brightening her day. And she was like, little do they know, I just want to write and kind of be left to myself. But they're all doing it, thinking that this is making me happier. And I am really have been haunted by this line that she says, where she says, for the love of God and my sisters, so charitable toward me, I take care to appear happy and especially to be so. And so I think, like, why would a great saint think that she had this duty to, to be happy? So, of course, that goes right to the heart of what I think about all the time. So that's why she appeals to me, is the way that she frames it. And, and Story of a Soul is like nothing I've ever read. So she also appeals to me as a writer, just because it's mm. so singular. So um, how do you try to emulate the teachings of St. Therese Scratch? I think I do it by just sort of saying, like, just as part of my ordinary day, what can I do better? What can I do right the other side of that is one of my other spiritual teachers is Benjamin Franklin, who's mm -hmm. so practical and so mm -hmm. down to earth and folksy wisdom with poor Richard's almanac. And so the two of them kind of combine together, I guess, are, are like my philosophy. But St. Therese really in this transcendent way of really staying tied to the idea of love and more transcendent values. That's, that's, mm. yeah. For me. That's what I'll be thinking about on October 1st. Well, of course, I want to hear from our listeners. Oh, yeah. Who is your spiritual teacher? And yeah. like, what do you do to emulate them, to follow them, to try to embody some of their qualities and values? Yeah, like you can imagine if somebody had a political figure, they might think, okay, I'm going to work on voter registration, or I'm going to work on policy reform, or I'm going to, you know, work on advocacy in some kind. And you might have multiple teachers who stand for different aspects of your, your nature and your values. So let us know. It is, it's fascinating to see who people choose. So let us know if you do try this at home and let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 396 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we have a kitchen counter happiness hack. But first, this break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. 
And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Gretchen, it's time for this week's happiness hack. And speaking of things being practical, this is a very practical hack, one of those. So from from reinvention and spiritual greatness, we go to kitchen counter space. And so I, I love this hack. So we talked a long time ago that if you need more counter space and you're in a hotel room, you can often use the ironing board. Or if you're in your own house, you can use your, especially if you're like setting up an office in a walk-in closet or something, you can use your iron for counter space. So if you're in a kitchen, you can pull out a drawer and put a large cutting board over it, and that will give you extra counter space. Now, I wouldn't want to chop chop onions there, but if you just need to lay out a recipe or spread out a little bit, it's a great solution. But Alyssa, here's the funny thing. So my daughter Eliza just moved to her own little apartment in New York City, and I told her about this hack, and she goes, but mom... I didn't realize it when I took the apartment, but it has no drawers in the kitchen. Oh, only cabinets. That is so New York City. Right. And I was like, how do you even do that? And she's like, I don't know. I I never thought to look. And I'm like, well, it's not like you're going to not pick an apartment because it doesn't have kitchen drawers. But turns out for this hack to work, you have to have a drawer. Turns out in New York City, you may not have a drawer. So I thought that was funny. Yes. Every apartment in New York has one uh, fatal flaw, we always say, right? Yeah, it's a Roz Chast cartoon. Every apartment in New York has a tragic flaw. (laughs) A tragic flaw. And Eliza's is no drawers in the kitchen. No kitchen drawers. Nowhere to put the silverware. Yeah. And now for a happiness stumbling block. And this is this is just a great phrase. I think this is like a phrase that says it all. Yes. The arrival fallacy. And Gretch, this is the belief that when you arrive at a certain destination or reach a certain goal, you will be happy. Yes. This is a term that was coined by the researcher Tal Ben-Shahar. And yeah, and it's very common. It's this idea that like, oh, I just need to get over this hill or I just need to get to the top of this ladder and then I'm going to be happier. 
But it comes as no surprise to anybody that actually what the research shows and what common experience confirms is that arriving rarely makes you as happy as you think that it will. Yes. I mean, Gretchen, I feel like I do live in this state. I am definitely someone who suffers from a rival fallacy. Like, I spent 20 years saying, I just need to get a season two of a show, and then I will be happy, and then I will feel like I've reached my yes, goals. Yes, yes, And I was really happy when we got season two of Fantasy Island yeah. on Fox. But then as soon as that happened, I was like, I must have a season yes, three. That is yes. what will fulfill me. If I get a season yes. three, I will feel <laughs> that I have made it. Yeah. Or I need a second TV show. So right. I, I am one of those people. The example that you give is a perfect example of why typically the arrival fallacy like ends up not giving that big happiness boost that we expect. So first of all, is that by the time you arrive at a destination, you're kind of expecting to reach it. And so it's already been incorporated into your mm. into your expectation. So, I mean, I remember as season one was winding down, you were like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling optimistic. I, I have the sense that we're going to get a season two. So it had already seeped in by the time you got it. And so you don't get that giant, it might still make you happy, but you don't get that big elation that you think, and you're kind of already thinking about uh, the downsides and all that, you know, you're adjusted. And then also, and I mean, this is a perfect example with you is that usually, unless it's something like winning an award where it's just like the excitement of winning award. And then you just like walk off with your trophy under your arm and it's done. Often arriving at one goal means new goals. So the music, yes. the minute you had season two, you're like, okay, but we need season three. And so yes. you, you see a whole new range of things. And in law, there's a funny joke about this where it says making partner at a law firm is like winning a pie-eating contest and being told that the prize is more pie. Sarah and I say that all the time about our job. Yeah. Yes, the prize is more pie. If you sell something, you do all yeah. this work to sell something, and then it's like, congratulations, you get to do a lot more work. Yes. You know, yes. it's just that's that it's an endless pie eating contest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this reminds me, I mean, you know, our father gives us so much good advice, but one of like the big refresh, I mean, we almost we like laugh at it. It's a practically like a family inside joke because it's such a refrain which is he tells us to enjoy the process. But this is really yeah. amazing advice. And the older I get, the more I understand like how wise it is. Yes, it can be hard to remember, but if you can truly implement it, then you will be happy. Right, <laughs> because then it doesn't matter so much how things turn out, which you can't control, yes. but like you're enjoying the process. Yes. But I know that for me, I, I do it with time. I'm often like, well, mm. I'll be happier after I get through this block of travel, or I'll be happier in the summer when things calm down, which they never do or after the holidays or when we're done with the college process or once my book is on the shelves, then like I'm going to feel so great. But again, it's already incorporated. It brings its own new challenges. But I think people feel this, you know, we've been talking about it mostly sort of in the context of ambition, but I think people feel this way about life circumstances like getting married, switching careers, moving, having a baby, having a baby. And so it, it's it's really important. But it's not to say that the arrival fallacy means that it's not important for your, our happiness to pursue our aims because it is important. Partly it's it's what's called pre-goal attainment positive effect, which is when you feel good because you're making progress towards a goal. That's the atmosphere of growth that we often talk about, that making, yes. making progress towards an aim is enjoying the process and does it give us that happiness. 
But also, there's this wonderful quotation from Simone Weil, who wrote, one does not play Bach without having done scales, but neither does one play a scale merely for the sake of the scale. So, you know, it's like mm. part, they're all tied together. So I think often having a vocabulary to describe something, I think, helps us identify a stumbling block and then maybe think about how to deal with it more effectively. Yes. And how to remind yourself to to enjoy going for that goal. So and you can still enjoy it when it, you get there, but don't put so much on the arrival of at the goal. And now for a listener question. This comes from Stephen. They say, I'm an upholder and there's a pattern I've noticed in myself that I haven't heard you mention cheerleading addiction when i see someone <laughs> struggling to find and and this is not addicted to watching cheerleading on tv when i see someone struggling to find external accountability it seems to activate my inner cheerleader oh, yeah. i find myself leaping at any opportunity <laughs> to troubleshoot for them offer resources and tips basically be their personal happiness bully oh, yeah. sometimes to a degree that can take a toll on me I don't seem to actually lean obliger. It's more that I get this urge to uphold for people I care about. At the same time, I know the only person you can change is yourself. Could this be a form of procrastination? Mm. I wonder what your thoughts are and whether having a podcast where people write in for advice has been a satisfying <laughs> outlet for your own cheerleading or happiness bullying urges. Of uh, Gretch, I mean, I this is, yeah, very much I, something that I think you could relate to. Yes. Yes. And as somebody who's, I would say, the innocent bystander of my own happiness, bullying, mm -hmm. or I like cheerleading. I like the idea of cheerleading. Yes. Um, relentless cheerleading. Relentless cheerleading. Yes. It's the relentless cheerleading. <laughs> no, I get it. And, and for me, it takes many forms, but partly, and I've really become aware of this, even when somebody is like confiding to me, like the deepest, really like an intense thing, I'm like, you've got to read this book. You got to read that book. I'm like looking on Amazon. Oh, you got to read this. You got to read that. That's part. That's one of the, my things is really mm -hmm. wanting to people, to, which three times out of five people won't read it. Two times out of five, they will, but often they won't. And I don't know about you, but I can often be rude. I definitely, I, I'm so excited by what I'm saying Jamie kind of chastised me once because I walked into a friend's house and I was like, I looked around and literally with my eyes wide, I was like, if you ever want help clutter clearing, you know, I really love to do that. And Jamie oh was my like, gosh. no. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I have, I do sometimes ask for permission and I'll say something like, I want to jump in because, you know, of course I have lots of thoughts, but I don't know if you're interested. And sometimes people will say like, no. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that S Stephen can provide accountability because I find that I'm actually a bad accountability partner for other people. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, Elizabeth, with you, I don't feel like I've been, I, I don't regularly check in with you on things. But uh, then I also worry mm -hmm. that I, I would drive you away. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. It comes from a place of love. But I agree with Stephen that it's it's something that upholders, we, can't, we can seem relentless. Well, and Stephen is saying they are personally impacted by it. Well, so oh. it's not just what it's doing to the other person. It's that it's draining and time consuming. And do you think it can be a form of procrastination? Well, this is fascinating. No, you're right. I was leaping into my own problem. Yeah. And, and so Stephen's talking about the toll on them. So could it be a form of procrastination? That is fascinating. 
What do you think, Elizabeth? I want to ponder that. I, I think it, I don't know if it's procrastination, but certainly I could see it being a way to um, think about someone else's yes. needs, like their issues, instead of thinking about your own. Which is very common. You know, a projection situation. Right. Or where it's more fun and interesting to tell other people what to do rather than to figure out what you need to yeah. do yourself. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think we've all done that and all, and all seen that. So that's true. But right. So how do you back off for self-preservation? Well, and since Stevens an upholder, I would say always to the upholder, you go to the inner expectation for what do you need to keep your own energy, to keep your own calm, to pursue your own aims. And they have to be clearly articulated in order to be addressed. And so often when there's an imbalance with, with upholders, it's because certain kinds of needs are very clearly articulated and others are vague. And so I would always mm. say with an upholder, like, well, how much sleep do you need? How much downtime do you need? What do you need to be part of your day to feel mm. calm and like you're getting done what you need to do so that you can achieve some kind of balance? At least Stephen can ask the person, do you want a cheerleader? I mean, yes. I think at least starting there. And if they say no, well... Yes. then you knock it off. If they say yes, then you can decide how much time to invest. Well, and also because accountability, it is burdensome to provide accountability, which is why I'm kind of a fan, like if you have money, to throw money at the problem and work with a coach or a trainer or a nutritionist or somebody who, or even just like a friend or somebody who's who's entering into it because they need accountability themselves. So it's a true yes. accountability partner. It's not just you providing accountability. Because that is burdensome to provide accountability. And if you feel like someone important to you needs that accountability, maybe what you can do is say, can I help you find a form of accountability that will work for you, but that mm. isn't me. So you kind of figure out who could substitute for you if that's something that, that somebody does need and maybe even depends on because that accountability can be life-changing for people. But it is burdensome. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes persistence. You've got to manage that relationship because people don't always like it when you hold them accountable. 100% they sure don't. Yes, absolutely. That can backfire. So, but this is, this is fascinating. And I'm fascinated about this yes. like procrastination angle. So listeners, yeah. let weigh in both on yeah. the, the giving side and the receiving side. Yes. All right. Coming up, I give myself what I'm calling a cascading demerit. Ooh. But first, this break. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut butter sandwich is my ideal lunch, but I'm very aware of my carb intake, so oftentimes I avoid sandwiches. Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven. Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. 
Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has green light. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. Okay, Elizabeth, I like this phrase We've got repeat demerits, and now we've got cascading demerits. What is this? Yes. It's a new concept (laughs) in demerits. (laughs) A few episodes ago, I gave myself a demerit for not putting important dates for the school year on the calendar, Mm -hmm. on the schedule. I was saying I need to do that. I haven't done it. Therefore, I don't know what's going on. Of course, even though the point of giving a demerit is to get ourselves to do it, I still didn't do it. Mm. And therefore, I I created for myself another happiness demerit, which is I bought a ticket to something that I really wanted to go to. I mean, I was going to give myself a gold star because I was going to go by myself. And one of our try this at homes was go to an event by yourself. So I couldn't find anyone to go with me. I said, I'm going to go by myself. Okay. And then after buying the ticket, realized, oh, that's back to school night, which I would have known had I put it on my calendar. So um, I was then in the situation where I had double booked myself, which is another demerit I gave myself, was not checking the calendar and therefore double booking myself. Mm. And again, because it wasn't on the calendar, double booked. So anyway, I went to back to school night, which was amazing, but I wish I hadn't spent the money on the ticket. And it's not as if I knew someone else who wanted to go because already I hadn't found anyone to go. Right. Oh, well, that's very frustrating, especially when you're like, ooh, I did it. Like, I made a plan, uh, yes. and I struck out. I committed, and I, yeah, yes. No. Okay, well. Got to get those get those dates on the calendar. Get those dates I know on the it's calendar. a hassle. It's like putting contacts into your phone. Yeah. Yes, it is an enormous hassle, but then if you don't, it's going to take you time every time that number pops up in text yeah. to figure out who is texting you. Yes. So there are just these things that need to be done. And it's a weakness of mine. These these little details of life, as you know, are not my strong suit. I think in a way it's not your strong suit because you have an extreme strength, which is that for years you could just keep your calendar in your head, which right. I think is just bananas that you could do that yeah. for as long as you did. And so I think you're not used to just being completely dependent on your written calendar. Yes. So, But there's a wonderful proverb that I love, a stumble may prevent a fall. And so mm. because you screwed up with this ticket, maybe that means that you're not going to screw up uh, some kind of plane ticket situation or yes. something where the stakes Good would point. be much higher and it would be a, a lot more troublesome to fix it. So so maybe this you've saved yourself from more hassle down the road because you like you learned this Good unpleasant point. lesson. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so that's my cascading demerit. Okay. What is your gold star 
this week. Okay, I want to give a go. Like, as I, in the spirit of St. Therese, I'm like, what are the small, ordinary things that I use in my everyday life? You know, the things that we take for granted, that we overlook, but that are actually very important to our happiness. So, I want to give a gold star for every online thesaurus, because I use just whichever ah. one picks up. I don't have a favorite. I spend... I, I don't know how many hours I spend looking at an online thesaurus, and I cannot even imagine how many hours more I would spend if I was, like, flipping through a book. Because no matter how well you know the alphabet, it's just cumbersome to, like, flip through alphabetically. And with thesaurus, you know, I can just do it in a flash. I was reading some author. I can't remember who. It was some famous author was, like, disdained to use the thesaurus which I thought was really odd because I'm like, I, I usually don't even pick a word that they suggest, but it helps me generate other other ideas. Yeah. And so like I looked in my history. So here are some of the the words that I just used up, looked up in like the last okay. day. Unexpected, hidden, heard, here, because, you know, you get different ones. Celebrate, exuberant, vitality, experience. I really wish there were more good words, synonyms for experience. I wow. look and look and look. But I just feel like how much time have I been able to save by just just the the instantaneous results that I get? And so, you know, we often talk, yes. we often think about how the internet gives us problems and you forget how it solves problems. And this is something yes. that I, I give a big gold star to the online thesaurus. Okay, and I will join you because Sarah and I use it all the time, constantly. So like what kind of words would you be looking up? Could be anger, could be walk. Yeah. You know, sometimes we just, we've said things many yes. times, you know, and we just want another word for right, it. Right. Another word for sad. Yeah. Another, I mean, then again, it's not that I couldn't think of another yeah. word for sad, but it's nice to just have it right there and look. And as you said, sometimes it'll make you think of, something else. Right. And then like seeing all those nuances also helps you think like, well, I can push, I could push it to another level of specificity and communication. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So gold star to the sources uh, online and the resources for this week. Okay. We were talking about the tendencies earlier. Again, if you don't know your tendency, you can go to quiz.gretchenrubin.com. So one of my favorite things to do is to, Elizabeth, you know this, is to analyze the tendencies of like in movies and books and TV shows. I'm constantly looking for them. And so if you have spotted one, people often will let me know when they've spotted one, like Downton Abbey. For a while, I was getting a lot mm -hmm. of Downton Abbeys. <laughs> Use the hashtag on social media, hashtag tendency spotting. If you see questioners, upholders, obligers, rebels out in pop culture. And if you're U.S. based and you do this, I'm going to do a giveaway. I've created this new Four Tendencies gift box which has a tendency mug, sticker, the tackle box, which we've talked about with the five different sticky pads that appeal to the different tendencies, and this new companion guide that I put together that has like all these new interviews with people of the tendencies. And I will pick one winner at random by September 30th, 2022. So use hashtag tendency spotting and you might be able to get that. And I also, the quiz that I mentioned, it is 3.2 million people. Um, have taken wow. that quiz now, and I, I redesigned it. So it, it's the same questions if you've already taken it, but it is like very spiffy now. So again, that's at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. And what are we reading? Elizabeth, what are you reading? I am reading Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And I'm reading Fuzz, When Nature Breaks the Law by Mary Roach. <laughs> 
And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Observe the birthday of your spiritual teacher. Let us know if you tried it, who your spiritual teacher is, and how it worked for you. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram, at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like this show, please do tell a friend. Recommend it. Send them an episode if you think that they're interested in it. That really is how most people discover our show, and we so appreciate it when you recommend the show to others. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Uh, sorry, I'm late getting on, Gretch. We had a dog emergency. Oh, they oh, have no. dug a hole, um, <laughs> at, like Harry the Dirty Dog, and they escaped. <laughs> and oh my, I was panicked. And they, I called them. They came running back through the hole, completely muddy. So, oh yeah, <laughs> we have a situation. Uh oh, yeah. They're they're working together. They're cooperating. Yes. I just remember the penguins. Just smile and wave, boys. Smile yes. and wave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. From the Onward Project. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org/students. That's lls.org/students.